Welcome to the Remember the Light podcast, where I, Sherelle, unravel the story behind the healers, shamans, energy workers, and other light workers who help us to remember who we truly are. Welcome, dear one, to another episode of the Remember the Light podcast. So in this episode, I'll be talking to Desiree from Self Love Academy, all about self-love. I adore Desiree, she she just lives and breathes self-love and is such an inspiration when it comes to loving yourself, having compassion for yourself, taking good care of yourself. So yes, I am excited to share this interview with you. And as usual, I'd like to start this episode with a little life update which you can skip through if you're not here if you're just here for the interview but i know that i always like to know more about the person behind the podcast it just makes it more personal more authentic to me it it creates a deeper layer so that's why i do these live updates so you get to know me a little bit more maybe create like a relationship with the podcast with the person behind it which is me so yeah i moved finally and it's been some intense transition so for the past three years i have lived in the back room of a music store that is no joke it was an odd place with a lot of uncomfortable quirks but also a place that i'd come to love for what it was But I knew it was just high time to leave. So now I am inhabiting a legit apartment at the edge of the forest and I am just so thrilled. I know this place can hold space for next level Sherelle, for my magic, the dream work that I do with my clients. Even though that all takes place in the ethereal online realm. It's just, I truly feel that I have a place to unwind and as such develop, grow, that I have a space to integrate all that I learn and experience. And that in this time of unwinding, I can truly make it my own. If that makes any sense, it's just the way it feels to me. And yeah, it was a very wonderful transition. Um, It also dug up a lot of old muck. So for me, this was the 13th time in my life that I moved. And the last two or three times, I didn't do a lot of the moving myself. As during those times, I was still in the deep trenches of Lyme disease. And it was actually my dad who took up most of the packing, unpacking, assembling and deassembling furniture, renting a little van to put in all my stuff in, arranging movers, pull up all my stuff with a rope to an attic room in Amsterdam. So all these times I didn't truly go through the entire process that moving tends to bring, at least when you have stuff, which I do. I love stuff. I don't even know if that is true. I just love hobbies and hobbies tend to bring a lot of stuff. So yeah. Um, But so this time I did go through this entire moving process and so much stuck energy came loose. Old stagnated stuff of when my parents decided to move once. 
um, about 12 years ago. That was just a very intense move for me. Um, at the time, I was still living with them. And we were leaving the home that we lived in for about 13 years. So I wasn't even born there. Um, we just lived there for a long, long time. And I just was so upset about that. We were going to move. As I was in my last year of high school, wasn't able to change schools anymore. I didn't understand what people were thinking to move me to a strange town during that last year. But yeah, there was that. I knew that I had been upset about it, knew that very clearly. But what I hadn't understood before was that at the time, I didn't really know how to deal with the fact that we were moving, saying goodbye to my beloved home, um, people, which mostly my parents without pointing fingers, uh, throwing away a lot of my stuff, which they decided I couldn't bring without my consent. And just being an insecure teenage stranger in a strange new town. So when I was packing stuff up now, and throwing things out with with my own consent, I noticed that I had a tendency to close up sometimes, not being able to feel anything, going through the motions like like a zombie, not allowing me to feel sad about certain things that truly had fulfilled a function in my life. And when I started to notice this, this that that closing up, I became to understand the me I had become have become in a different way because I have been quite closed up for a long while and it's only I think the last four maybe five I'd say four years I'm slowly opening up again breaking down the walls crumbling them and I now do think that I know how it all started, this closed up tensed feeling. And it's not even that my move that time, that time 12 years ago was so traumatic or anything. It just, I just didn't have the tools to cope with it. I didn't understand what was happening. Considering that I am a quadruple Cancerian, which means I have four planets in my natal chart that are um, in Cancer. I mean... I am all about building a home, creating a safe, sacred space and comfort zones. And back then I was just pulled out of this sacred space of mine without any preparation or any inner tools to cope with, any people to turn to. So that has been an interesting insight. And so this move, I got to heal a lot of hurt around that time hurt that I wasn't quite aware was still hanging around. I knew that it had left some scars. I also didn't blame anyone for it. I still don't. I think moving is just part of life and my parents were right to decide to move, even though this wasn't perfect timing. But yeah, it just came up so intense, this move. And I really feel that I had a chance to heal it. And so now, having that chapter behind me, sort of, 
I am now in the midst of settling, creating a sacred space full of magic and I love it. And I also love living at the edge of the forest. I mean, this is such a dream. I feel like a witch or a fairy or and the other day I feel like a druid woman wandering through the forest. I'm just in my natural habitat right here. And so... Yeah, so I'm considering I had a lot more to share, but I think I'll keep it at this, except for the fact that with my move, my business, or maybe not because of my move, but just, well, they synced up. My business transitioned so much as well. The work that I do with my clients, it just didn't fit anymore in how I described my business, because yes... When working with me, you will get clarity and confidence to keep on following your heart. But it's just so much more. The dream work that I do, helping you travel through the realms, to your subconscious mind, through time, in visions, trans journeying, working with the spirits, with journeys... Working with the dreams that you have at night, the journeys that you're already making, asking them what they want you to know. It's just it's just so magical what happens when you remember your inner wisdom, your inner light. That's when you get the clarity and confidence, yes. So I've come to see that dreams and dreaming are truly at the center of my business. And I help you dream. I help you to honor your nocturnal dreams, to live your daydreams. It's just it's just so much magic that it's, that happens when we work together. So if you feel like you've been missing this sense of magic, meaning, purpose in life, you've been looking for your calling for forever, and people have been telling you that you are an old soul or a young soul, and you're like, what does that even mean? I mean, I felt that way. <laughs> then just you are so welcome to book a talk with me. It's a free 20-minute talk in which you have a look at what your own dreams are telling you. Because who knows better than you? You are you, so who knows you better? So your nocturnal dreams, I, I see them as messages from your true self, your inner self, maybe even from source. And they have a message for you each and every night. And Granted, not all these messages need interpreting, need working with. But you'll also note that when you neglect them, they'll come back. Because these messages are important. So, yeah, I'd love to look at that with you and also to help you journey. So you can get insights from, from the realms, from your guides. And get just a sense of your... Your, your purpose. I think purpose is just such a strange word sometimes. But like your calling. And so we'll look at how dreaming can help you to get clarity around this. Confidence and help you to step into your true self fully. So if that sounds dreamy to you. You can go to rememberthelight.com slash dream. That is rememberthelight.com slash dream. So now, without further ado, my conversation with Desiree from Self Love Academy. Hi Desiree, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us to chat all about self-love. 
Hi, good to be here. So, yeah, I always like to start off with asking uh, my guests who they are and what they do. So, my name is Daisy Ray. I'm a self-love coach. My company is called Self-Love Academy. And basically, I teach people, mostly women, how to love themselves and how to discover their own self-love. Because I truly believe that self-love is already there. You only need to discover what is holding you back from feeling it. Mm. And how did you start this journey? I mean, yes, I feel self-love is a very important thing. But I know that for you, um, it wasn't always as straightforward to love yourself. So I'm curious, how did this journey start? Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, question. And it actually started when I was 15. Then I discovered the topic of self-love. And I was really confused when I heard about it because I couldn't believe that people would be able to uh, to love themselves. At that time, I was in quite a dark place, you could call it, uh, mentally especially. Uh, and I really disliked myself and disliked everyone around me and I disliked the whole world so um, I actually was listening to a TED talk and I think it was Gala Darling and she was explaining how she loved herself and I was just so confused but also intrigued because the way I was living my life at that moment was just not working for me I was really unhappy and Um, yeah, there were really was a point in my life where I didn't understand why I was actually living. So I decided to give self-love a chance because I basically had, I had nothing left to lose. So even though I was a bit confused, like, how can you really love yourself? Like, that's probably not even possible. I just decided to give it a try because I had tried a lot of other things. And those didn't work, so. Yeah, and I think this yeah, part of your story. This was a good option. Yeah, and I think it's just so intriguing because most of the time you hear people who already have tried everything and who actually don't have nothing to lose, they stop trying. And for you, you were like, well, okay, okay, I'll give it a chance. And I think that is so special. And Do you know why? I mean, you said, yeah, it's because I had nothing to lose. But still, you could still have chosen to not do anything and to keep on hating yourself and the world. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I actually tried that already. Like, I had been so unhappy for several years that I just knew that that I couldn't continue like this. Like, I was pretty suicidal and um mm. yeah it might sound a bit intense but it was either trying self-love or giving up on life after all and I was just too scared to uh to give up living that I just really wanted to try everything that could help me so um it actually felt like I had no choice and maybe there's another thing that always in my head there was always this voice like okay, you don't have to live like this. There there was always something deep down inside me that knew 
you don't have to hate yourself. You don't have to go through life feeling unhappy all the time. So that also gave me just this little bit of trust that it could be different. Mm, yeah. And to me, it's it sounds like there was still a little spark inside of you that wanted to live um, rather than to not live. And this this feeling that you had down deep that the way you were living wasn't the only way life could be lived. It really sounds like an inner knowing, like an intuitive feeling. Do you look at it that, like that? Yeah, I think I think I completely agree with you on that. It was this intuitive feeling that I couldn't explain and I didn't know where it was coming from, but it was just this subtle voice like this little spark it was very small but it was still there and something inside me said yeah listen to this voice even though you have a thousand voices saying something completely different listen to this one voice and I did Mm, and it changed your life and together with listening to that voice i also think that you said you got inspired by a video you saw on youtube or you read somewhere you heard someone say that they love themselves and you say it was gala darling and to me i think this is so it just proves how important it is for us to shine our own lights because if gala darling hadn't like communicated her message it wouldn't have come to you at least not via her and it might have taken a couple of years longer or too long and you wouldn't be where you're now and just by hearing her say this once it's changed your life and is this a reason why you do your um well you're influencing people online a lot these days as well uh yeah definitely um And also, I don't think it was really what Gala Darling was saying, but rather what she was showing. Like, I could Mm. really see in a way that it wasn't just her speaking words, but she was really living what she was saying. And um, so when I finally reached a place where I felt that I could really say to myself, okay, I love myself, I like myself, I'm a good person, I'm good enough, then I realized that it would be selfish to keep all of that for myself because I saw that a lot of people were still struggling with that and um, also because I was in a really dark place once as well. Yeah, I really know how valuable it is to have people that can show uh, show you what is possible and show you that self love is possible in this case. So that is definitely a big motivation for me, um, like helping others because they have helped me as well. Yeah, really giving uh, in reciprocity for what you receive. Yeah. Mm. And so you made the decision to try to start loving yourself. Um, was it hard for you to make that decision? Um, yes and no. It wasn't really hard to make the decision, but to actually do it, that was hard. Mm. Um, 
And also because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because I made the decision like, okay, then I will start loving myself. But I wasn't really aware of what that would actually mean if I would start to love myself. So in the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I had made the decision, I'm going to love myself. But how to start? I had no clue. I just heard, okay, you can start loving yourself and then your life will will get better and I thought okay I like this idea I will go for it but then I had to actually start loving myself and I didn't know where to start so it, it took me quite some years before I actually knew what I was doing and um, yeah actually forgot about self-love a lot of the times or I thought I was doing something that was loving myself but actually I was still doing it from a place of self-hate so for example I started uh, going to the gym because I knew okay working out is healthy so that is probably a form of self-love but I was still doing that from a place of my body is not good enough I need to lose weight I need to have a visible six-pack um, but I was telling myself I'm doing this because I love myself and then after some time I discovered oh but actually I am doing this because I still want to change myself and that is not loving myself. So in a way it was easy to make the decision to love myself, but it also included making a lot of mistakes thinking I was loving myself, but actually wasn't. And then loving that as well, because it's so normal to make mistakes. And when you start the path of self-love, it's, obviously not meant to be perfect like I still struggle with self-love from day to day and I still do things sometimes that are not very loving towards myself and the only way to um, to deal with that is to say okay yeah I'm I'm doing something that might not be super loving but then I will love that I will love my messy side my chaotic side and then I'm back to self-love again, but it takes a lot of practice. It sounds like it is an ongoing practice and it has been for you an enormous practice, especially in the beginning. And you say, well, I started out with, for instance, going to the gym because I thought it was self-love. And of course, you know, it can be, but the way you were going to the gym wasn't. But then what made you realize that what you were doing was actually self-hate and not self-love? Um, well, actually, for me, when I, when I want to determine whether or not something is a form of self-love for me, it really is a mental thing. So by observing my thoughts, I notice if something is a form of self-love or a form of self-hate. So I noticed that when I was going to the gym, I felt really good about myself and I could look in the mirror and while I was lifting weights and I would be like, oh, I'm good enough. I love myself. But uh, that was mainly when I was going to the gym. And then when I would be at home or I skipped the day at the gym, I would look in the mirror and I would say to myself, oh, you should have gone to the gym blah, 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 you know, all these thoughts were coming up. And that made me realize um, I'm making self-love something conditional. 
So if I go to the gym, then I am worthy of my own love, which is not self-love. That's just manipulation, basically. It's just there were certain conditions. And if I did those, if I checked off all the boxes, then I would be good enough. So Mm. for me to realize if something is self-love or not, it's focusing on what's going on mentally inside my head. And it's not so much about what I do, but really how I think about myself and how I feel about myself. Mm -hmm. And so you say that the first time you heard about self-love, it was when you were 15 or 16. And when you, well, discovered for yourself that true self-love is uh, this unconditional form or in this mental state. Um, Was that soon after that you heard of self-love or took it years for you to come to that conclusion? Oh, it really took years and years. Um, I think I only realized that a few years ago and it was also because self-love is this continuing discovery. There's not really one moment where, where I was like, aha, this is it. But it was just because I kept observing what I was doing and reflecting on what I was doing. Then I would realize, ah, okay, I'm doing this, but that's maybe not self-love. Maybe I could try this. So it was a really gradual process. But that took years, yeah. Mm. And can you share a little bit about how, well, of course, for what I know, you, like, practicing self-love gave you um, the will to live again or a bigger will to live. But how did it change your life? Um, Can you talk a little bit about how it changed your life to start practicing self-love? Yeah. So a lot of things have changed. So it's a really, so I will just tell some, some things that's changed. Yeah. Um, so one of the main things actually is that I have a lot more, uh, I feel a lot more joy in the stuff that I do. And before I started uh, self-love, I was really focused on comparing myself to others, judging myself, judging others. And I was really trying to be a certain kind of person so that people would love me. So I I had made all these rules for myself, like I have to behave in this way. I have to look a certain way, dress a certain way, behave a certain way, and then people will love me and then I can love myself. And the main thing that changed was that I just started at I can love myself first So I really started to um, understand what I actually enjoy, what I like to do and what choices I want to make. And I started focusing on myself and therefore I only had very limited time to focus on other people. So Mm -hmm. one of the biggest changes is that um, for the most part, I don't really care what other people think of me, of what or what they think I should do I just do what I want to do and that has given me this big sense of freedom and joy that I can make my own choices and that there is not 
this society that tells me what to do. So I've become, I really feel like I'm an individual and that I can make my own choices. And, and that's a really big difference. And I also enjoy making my own choices. And another thing that really changed is that I like my own company a lot more. So in the beginning, I, when I went somewhere, I, I would always take someone with me because I was afraid of being alone because I had to be with my own thoughts. And my own thoughts were very hateful. But now, um, like last weekend, I was a weekend all by myself. I rented a house and I really enjoyed my own company and didn't feel lonely because I knew I'm I'm in my own company and I really like myself. Like I really see myself uh, as a friend that I enjoy spending time with. And that's also something that really changed. Mm. Beautiful. And how... Why is it that, do you have any idea why you um, started to hate yourself in the first place? Um, and why or why self-hate is such a big issue in our society? And why we think it is, we put so much importance on other people's opinions? Mm. Well, I think it really has to do with the fact that we, in essence, believe that we are not good enough. And that's something that we learn in our youth. When we are babies, we are loved for who we are. We don't have to do anything like we sleep, we poop and we smile and people are super happy to see us. And they're like, oh, my God, a baby. Amazing. And then when we grow up they're um there comes this point where not everything you do is perfect anymore. And your parents are telling you, you have to finish your plate. You have to get good grades. You have to get out of bed in the morning. And so there are certain rules. And then we actually learn that in order to be loved, we have to adhere to these rules. We have to follow these rules. And that creates a sense of, okay, so who I am is not good enough. I first have to follow certain rules, certain conditions, and then other people will love me and then I can love myself. And when we are children, that's really useful mechanism because we are dependent on our parents. So we need to receive their love because we need to have their, they need to take care of us. If our parents are not there, we will die. So we we will follow these rules and we will adjust ourselves to get love. We will suppress our emotions or get out of bed early just to please our parents. But when we become adults, we do not need these rules anymore. And we actually need to unlearn all of these rules that we set up for ourselves and realize, okay, we are not dependent on our parents. And we we do not need all these rules. We are actually good enough as we are. But it's really a process of unlearning everything we learned as children. And I think that's something everybody is struggling with. And a lot of that is unconscious. We do not know that that happened. We do not learn this in school. So I think that's why so many people are struggling with self-hate because we still have these rules that we have to follow in order to be loved. And there's just this misconception that we are not good enough. 
but we are good enough. And do you think that these rules that we have to um, fulfill for ourselves, that they that we put them on ourselves, do we make them up or are we influenced um, by them in the media or is it because someone, well, because at some point, you know, you understand, okay, I'll have to finish my plate because that's good for me or, or not. Um, but then where do all these other rules that we put on ourselves or do do they do they, these come from well i actually don't know for sure but i think it's just if you hear something uh, enough times you will just start to believe it so whether it comes from the media from society or from your parents that doesn't really matter what i see for myself is that of course because you're spending a lot of time with your parents or caretakers most of the rules will come from your parents but also the media has a big influence like a thing that really helped me in loving myself more was um really changing what i saw in social media and following other people that showed me a different perspective on for example uh, your body or a different perspective on working out So it can be your parents, but it's also society and what you see in your timeline on Facebook. Yeah, what you consume. I know that for myself, a couple of years ago, I was a really big fan of of Tumblr. And I had all these perfect pictures coming by every morning. And at some point, I noticed that that actually made me depressed. And so I quit Tumblr and then... I don't know when this was, but just a couple of years ago, I thought, well, I'm aware enough now that I can go back uh, on Tumblr and see, because I was still, I mean, I love looking at beautiful pictures. So mm-hmm. I went on Tumblr and before I knew it, I noticed this depressed down feeling in myself again, because I was like, well, how am I ever in the world going to take such beautiful pictures myself or manifest all these things in my life. And so even though I was aware of what it did to me in the past, um, seeing all these pictures time and time again made me feel not good enough. Even though I, I knew that this could happen, I couldn't prevent it from happening. And I think this is so, so interesting. And what is also interesting uh, and maybe a little bit off topic but when you look on tumblr because uh, so i talk a, talk a lot about subconscious minds and your unconscious and the other world but when you look when you search on tumblr for um dark setting or something like a grief or sorrow then Tumblr gives you, doesn't show you because it's afraid that you are too depressed to look at these dark pictures, which to me means that I was not the only one getting depressed from even upbeat pictures. What is your opinion mm-hmm. on that? Do you? Yeah, I think you you share a really good point because it's not something that you can really prevent. It's really a subconscious thing that is happening and even though you have tons of self-love probably if you are exposed to a lot of perfect pictures you will start to compare yourself and you will start to doubt yourself and that is not you doing something wrong it's just 
the influence of your surrounding like when you are exposed to fire and you put your hand in the fire your hand will be burned that has nothing to do with um i don't know saying something mentally to you like yeah i know fire is bad but i still put my hand in it it's just something that that will happen so i think it's a really loving thing to not surround yourself with pictures that make you feel depressed and i yeah i had the same with with tumblr and with instagram as well i just noticed that when i start looking at all of these perfect feeds i just get this feeling inside of me like oh i do not have these pictures is something wrong with me just something that mm -hmm. happens naturally yeah and so to counteract that i you are a very fun person to follow on instagram in the way mm -hmm. that you share your insights and your own life lessons and share your well own opinions on daily things that could happen to inspire people to well as far as i see it to love themselves in situations that might not be acceptable in our um, well dominant culture um are there any instagram accounts for instance that you really love and could recommend uh oh what a good question yeah i i really love instagram a lot um really because it's it's a good way to create a bubble that you are normally not in and you can follow so many different people and it really has broadened my perspective on the world and it's really mm -hmm. a good way for me to share my message so i have a lot of accounts that i um, love to follow um but i follow mainly dutch accounts so i don't know do you also want to hear dutch accounts yeah please okay um so one girl that i really like is Salina charlotte she's a business owner and she does a lot of personal development and i really like how honest and real she is so her instagram account is Salina charlotte i also like um, Mion Nusseling. Her Instagram account is Mionus and she shares a lot about autism and um, a lot of things that I normally don't think about. And that's what I really like about Instagram that when I'm that I'm not just looking at a pretty picture, but that it actually makes me think and changes my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the same goes for with podcasts as well. I mean, if I look at how many podcast episodes I've listened in the past couple of years and how they truly changed my perspective on life, I think that's so amazing. Yeah, and it's really needed also because if you don't do that, you really get stuck in a pattern of, I know the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be pretty, maybe even dangerous yeah yeah it definitely can i mean i think we all know people who are very um determined about their own truth and i think we can see that that's something sometimes not very helpful for them no definitely not and like i really noticed that a lot of that is coming from good intentions but if you just um think you know the truth then you just get stuck in this tunnel vision and 
yeah really isolates you i think mm -hmm. yeah and before we continue i just interrupted you and you were recommending instagram accounts were you were you going to recommend more or um just the two mm, i also like body posi panda a lot mm -hmm. because she talks a lot about body positivity um and i think she does that in such a nice and loving way and that also really has helped me in my own <clears throat> sorry that really helped me in my own journey about loving my own body so that's also one that i can really recommend and it's in english as well so yeah i've heard i don't follow her myself but i know a lot of people who follow her and are such big fans so that's probably a big recommender and yeah i do follow selena charlotte as well and i truly love the way she does and looks at business and life and how she integrates her sensitive sensitivity and her truth in in business life and in what she shares on social but even it's it sounds so silly but even she can make me a little bit unsure of myself or sometimes even not enough because I see, well, why can't I share in that way? Or why does she have this successful business and my business isn't that successful yet, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I know that's just what she doesn't want to communicate. She just, she really wants to communicate that you are, well, you are exactly where you need to be right now. But it's, I mean, it's just so, it's so, um, what is the word? Just sneaky even how this feeling of not enough not enoughness can creep in yeah definitely and um there's two points that i'd like to make like first of all i really appreciate that charlotte is aware of that and that she also addresses that on her instagram account mm -hmm. um that she shares her failures and um I mean, right now she's a really successful businesswoman, but she also shares about uh, companies that she had that were complete failures. So that also makes me realize like on social media, you see most of the success, but you never really see a lot of the failures. Mm -hmm. And I think basically everyone that is a successful business owner has made a lot of mistakes before they were successful. But also the other thing, that uh, the feeling of not being good enough is is really sneaky and it come can come from um, everywhere and it has nothing to do with the person that you are seeing because it also really depends for example on my mood on certain days I can look at her Instagram account and be like whoa you are amazing and I'm so happy for you and uh I deserve exactly the same but when I feel bad and I start looking at her my mind just goes mm -hmm. into this comparing mode and then I'm like yeah I'll be never be like her blah 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 mm -hmm. this whole story of not being good enough so it's really your your own mind that is the problem and that needs some extra love because it's basically saying yeah I want to experience this too I also want to feel loved and feel good about myself and be happy and it's it's basically begging for attention and begging for love yeah and, and this comes back to the feeling of jealousness actually being a sense of what you want to call into your own life 
Um, yeah. And even uh, maybe your own potential, that this is inside of you too and it wants to come out. Definitely. Yeah, so on your website, you share six beliefs that you um, know for certain are true. And um, I'd love to go through these because if you ask me, they are true truth bombs, um, which our listeners might want to hear. So are you in for that to go through these six? Yes, let's do that. So the first one you mentioned is love is the most important thing that exists. And to me, I I mean, I can imagine some people might find this a very cheesy statement, but I also think that we can all agree this is true. And can you talk a little bit more on that? Of course. Yeah, so it might be cheesy, but it's also, I think if you are looking deep down inside what everybody really wants is just this sense of peace of calmness of feeling loved and that is what love is to me and I think if you take away all the the noise around like yes it's so difficult to explain (laughs) because for me love really is a feeling that is really hard to to put into words but if I look at myself basically everything I'm doing is to experience love and whether that is making myself breakfast so I don't feel hungry or it is going to work so I have so I get money and I can buy something nice for myself in essence I only want to experience love and I notice that when I feel love and I'm not specifically talking about romantic love, but just love in a way of appreciation of what you have right now. Like sometimes you can have these little glimpses where you suddenly feel, wow, this life is pretty amazing. And everything I have right now is really enough. Then I stop wanting. And I think that's a feeling that we are all striving for just to relax and realize okay what I have right now is enough and that for me is love and I actually think that is everything there is but we can be so busy getting it that we don't realize that it's already there like we are a dog chasing its own tail like (laughs) I want to get my own tail but the, the tail is already there and if you just stop trying so hard you can feel that the love is already there and same goes for self love it's it's already there Mm-hmm. And so apart from, so we, we talked about love in a sense, uh, apart from romantic love. So love for yourself, for the world, for the idea of love is all there is. But how does it also relate to romantic love? Um, I think it's, it's, for me, it's actually is the same, but I think that for many people, there is this disconnection between romantic love and self-love and love for the world. But for me, the feeling of love is the same. And I actually noticed that when I started to love myself more, it was easier to love the world more and also easier to love in a more romantic way. But um, when I experience love, I actually have this sense of love for everyone. 
So I also mm. have love for the the bus driver or I don't know, for my housemate, then it doesn't really matter who it is. And I think what happens in romantic love is that someone just helps you to feel the love inside of yourself. And that is probably why it's such a good feeling. But it actually doesn't really have to do anything with the other person. It has everything to do with yourself. It's the love that you feel inside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that especially when you're still in love, this reminds you of the feeling of love and love for yourself because you feel so accepted and so okay that, yeah, it's, it, it gives you this infatuated state. Well, in truth, you can feel that way for the world and for yourself at all times. And then again, if you already feel that way, then you are way, way less needy of a partner and in a relationship because you already feel accepted. So you won't be like, well, you know, he or she didn't buy me this or that. So now what if he or she doesn't love me anymore? And oh my God, the, the world will end. And if you can mm -hmm. find this love in yourself, you will be a so much more relaxed person being able to give love and receive love as well because even though this person might not have bought you flowers maybe because you were not so stuck up about the flowers you would have seen or felt his or her love for you just existing definitely yeah yeah so The second truth that you share is learning to love yourself is an ongoing process. It's never finished and you learn to love yourself deeper every day. Yes, <laughs> that is a really big one. Um, and I actually had this point when I started my company where I felt, oh, I'm really there right now. I can love everything about myself. But sometimes this self-love feels a bit like a game. And when you master a certain level, you go to the next level and then you have challenges that become a little bit more difficult. And for me, it just feels like you can finish a certain situation. So, for example, right now where I'm sitting, I can feel a lot of self-love for myself. But maybe in another situation... I have to remind myself again, like, okay, can I still love myself in this situation? Okay, what about the next situation? What about the next situation? So it's just exploring and learning all the time. And it also can be a bit deceiving that you, like what we talked before as well, that you think you love yourself, but actually you weren't. And it's just this constant unfolding of can I let myself experience more love in this moment and in this moment and in this moment. And sometimes that's really easy and sometimes that's really difficult and I'm just learning every day. And sometimes there's a point where I'm like, can I really experience more self-love than this right now? And then a few weeks later, I'm like, okay, yes, I can. Mm. So sometimes it feels like I'm reaching up plateau or like uh, the top but then there's always more 
there's always more love to experience yeah and correct me if i'm wrong but i remember you saying once that everything that is not self-love is actually self-hate and do you can you talk on that a little as well um yeah i don't really remember in which context i said it but um for me in a really simple way there is either love or the absence of love and which you could call self-hate but actually the self-hate wants to be loved as well and it's actually Mm. a pointer towards more love so for example when we were talking about jealousy it can seem like oh jealousy is something bad you don't have to be jealous but it's really showing you like okay you like this thing that someone else have or this trait that someone else have and you also want to have it but maybe you are withholding it from yourself maybe you're telling yourself oh i'm not ready for this or i don't deserve this but the jealousy is showing you like oh you also want to have this love for yourself that this other person have and in a way i think for self-hate it is the same that self-hate is just showing you hey you're not loving yourself and it hurts that's why it hurts so much to hate yourself because actually you want to be loved and if it felt good to hate yourself you would not be motivated to uh, to change it mm-hmm. interesting and so as we were talking i'm like hmm I never truly considered me like a very self-loathing person, as in self-loathing. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm quite okay with everything I do, but now that we are talking, I'm like, hmm, there's quite probably quite some things in my life that I could love myself more about. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is so insightful. So. I can't wait to go into the third truth, which is failure doesn't exist. If you learn from everything that you do, how can you fail? Yeah. And and there was this time in my life where I truly believed like, oh, you only have one opportunity and you have to do that perfectly or you have failed. Um, but I just realize that you can only learn by doing and I have made so many mistakes in my life but I also learned a lot from that and the only things I regret actually are the things that um, I haven't done Mm -hmm. so it it really took me a while to realize that and I'm still not always there like there are still things in my life where I feel like oh I shouldn't do that because I don't know how to do that. But when I try them, oftentimes I find that they are not as difficult as I thought. And if I do make a mistake, most of the time it doesn't really matter. No. Or you can fix the mistake or you can try again or you learn so much from it that it's 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 always valuable. Yeah, and if other people are involved, I mean, people forget. They don't keep track of every move you make in your life. So even if you made a fool of yourself, well, that's fine too, you know. 
Yeah, most of them are just too busy focusing on themselves, right? <laughs> not making a silly move. So yeah, sometimes they can be like super happy that you made a silly move and it wasn't them. So yeah, that too. And so now I'm curious because I am one of these people who, well, I don't like to identify myself as such. So let's say I experience a lot of fear in my life regularly. I'm I think, well, there's many reasons for that, but how, when I, well, let's say I, there's something that I really want to do or many things, but I'm too afraid um, because of very rational reasons, actually. Then what would you say or do yourself to do it anyway? Um, well, I think the first thing is, You don't have to do everything that you feel fear for. So uh, I noticed in myself that I can have a tendency to be kind of addicted to going outside of my comfort zone. While sometimes it's really valuable to feel fear, even whether or not it's rational. So sometimes it's a really good thing to not step out of your comfort zone and just, just stay inside of it especially when I am stressed, when I had a very busy time, I just noticed that uh, I can feel fear a lot more easier or it, it comes quicker. Like I fear a lot more things. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes the best thing for me to do is just say, okay, I'm kind of overwhelmed. This is too much. Don't do it. Don't go into the fear. Um, but at other times, what I try to do is just... Um, see what the smallest step is that I can take and then do that. And then sometimes I realize, oh, this is not too bad. And then I can take another step. Mm -hmm. So really taking it small and breaking your fear in small parts. So for example, um, I can get fearful when I go to new places. I can find that a bit scary. So I recently got a OneFit membership. And for those of you that don't know what OneFit is, it's a membership and you can go to like 400 gyms and follow different lessons. So I got this membership and I said to myself, oh, this is so awesome because you have a lot of freedom. You can try all new things. But when I'm tired, I don't want to try new things because they can scare me. Yeah. So the first week I had my OneFit membership and I would open the app and I would look on all the classes that they offered and it would just scare me. I would be overwhelmed and I would be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know all these places. I don't know all these lessons. And then what I do for myself is I just either look for a location that I know for a place that I already know that makes it safer for me or I look for a lesson that I already know. So um, I used to do Ashtanga yoga uh, for two years and then I stopped for a while. But then I get my OneFit membership and all of the other lessons, I was like, I don't know what is crazy name, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'll just go to an Ashtanga lesson because that is familiar to me. And that makes it a lot easier to step into the fear. Just see how can I make it as easy as possible for myself. Mm, yeah, or not do it. It's also fine. Sometimes it is fine to not do it. 
and sometimes sometimes it's very often <laughs> but and the situation you, you just shared sounds very familiar to me because i just moved <laughs> to a new hometown and i was looking at yoga classes yesterday and i was like oh god there are so many yoga studios and i don't know what they will feel inside and what the teacher will be like will she push me or will she be kind and then eventually i ended up well, not going to any yoga class um, and to try again well, I think next week to have another look and see if I have more energy to take a leap and put me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. And I think that can be a very loving thing to do. Like just like a first step can be looking at all the yoga classes that are there, getting overwhelmed, stopping. And then next week, looking at the yoga classes again, maybe picking one, not going. But then the <laughs> next week, picking one, really going. And then it's fine. Um, yeah. yeah you, it's, it's so okay to be really gentle on yourself. And I mean, is there a deadline that you have to go to a yoga class within a certain amount of time? No, of course not. So if you need more time, please give yourself that time. Uh, I think also on social media, there's there can be this expectation that you have to conquer all your fears immediately <laughs> and that you have to be this fearless person who is not afraid of anything. And I, I think that just creates a lot of pressure on yourself, which yeah. creates more fear, which is not serving anyone. So yeah. if it's a fear that keeps coming back continuously, of course, work on it. But take small steps and, and, and be gentle with yourself. Yeah, and that, that truly sounded like an um, imitation of Tony Robert, Robbins you just did there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the fourth one would be your heart knows the way. Your, your mind will not always understand what your heart is saying, but that's okay. And I truly believe this. I mean... My heart is such, can be, even though this sounds so strange, but I would even say my heart is quite obnoxious in her um, de-stressing the mind. <laughs> um, but how, how does this work? I mean, I have a theory about this myself, but how would you explain this? That the heart knows the way, but the mind doesn't understand it. Um. Yeah, that's an interesting question because then my mind is like, yeah, let's explain it because we have to understand this. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we don't really know. Mm -hmm, so what exactly. I was saying in the beginning for me that love is really a feeling and that love comes from my heart. So sometimes I just have this feeling that I know that something is good for me. And then my mind makes up a story behind it. Like, yeah, this is good for you because blah, blah, blah. But actually, I'm already convinced. And I noticed that most of the choices I have made in my life that were really good for me, I just made completely based on intuition. And I still can't really explain why. And in yeah. the beginning, I would make rational arguments so, for example, um, for my bachelor studies, I moved to Amsterdam and I always said, I'm never going to Amsterdam. It's too busy. I'm too much of a sensitive person to live in Amsterdam. But the studies that I wanted to follow was only available in Amsterdam. So 
I really wanted to follow that study. I didn't know why, but then I was just logical for me to move to Amsterdam. So I did. And I still don't know why, but it was a really good decision. And I have that with all of the choices that I made that made a really big impact on my life. And if I start to think about it, like, why did I do this? I just get stuck in this loop inside my head that says, I don't know, maybe it isn't a good decision. Why did you do this? But when I just feel and trust my heart, it just says, this is good for you. Just do it. You feel it. It's clear. You don't need more explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I have exactly the same experience that the decisions that I made purely with my heart were the best ones. But as soon as my mind gets involved, I make decisions. Like I've enrolled in so many study programs because I thought that it would be important to be certified in this or that. But then mm -hmm. instead of making the choice of which study programs that will be I'm making this choice with my heart, I made them with my mind. And every study program that I've truly chosen with my mind I A, didn't complete, or mm -hmm. B, didn't like so much. Um, yeah. While the programs that I chose with my heart have been truly life-changing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, But I can really relate to that as well. Not so much in terms of study programs, but just in taking on projects that in my mind were like, this would be very strategical if you would make this decision and then I would do it and I would not enjoy it. I wouldn't like it. It would take me a lot of work, would drain all my energy and then I would just not be able to continue. Yeah, exactly. And, but then I also, especially in the past, I truly had a lot of difficulty and still have sometimes to, differentiates the mind and the heart and even well this doesn't happen often anymore but in the past I regularly experienced that even when I would start writing with my guides or start journaling in with the intention to let my heart speak or to get my soul through or to communicate with my spirit guides that there would be all these With all these kind of strategies and and rational answers would come through, and that it upset me so much that I was like, "How did my guys dare me tell this? Because this is just not true, or it just or it didn't happen that way, or it didn't work out the way they said it would be." But the fact that it made me unsure in I think I don't know it, it's it can be just so sneaky and because especially well it's it's two ways right because if you feel like for instance you're journaling and you start feeling pressured or criticized for all that you're right that is definitely the mind then you're not mm -hmm. tuned in into your heart um But then there's this other part, which I think is the most tricky one, that the, what we write is actually confirming what we want to hear. And when mm. that happens, I think it is just 
so hard to differentiate what is what is it that we are writing is it our heart or our minds do you have like a practice around that or what would you say about this um yeah it, it, it is really interesting and i'm still in this process of figuring out what is my heart and what is my mind mm-hmm. but if i am doubting it's almost always my mind like when it's truly my heart speaking i know and there's no doubt and it's also no fear um so for for examples i I enrolled in a program i saw it on instagram i saw it i knew this is good for me i didn't look at the price i just applied i want to do this but quite often i'm on instagram and people offer their programs and i'm like yeah this sounds nice do I want to do this or not? Let's look at the Mm. price. Let's see if the dates fit me. And then I'm already in my mind. Mm. And then it can still be a good decision and something that I learn a lot from. But if it's really a hard choice, then I just know and I don't even need to have information. And then there's also this sense of trust and joy and um, really... um, a calmness I notice that when I'm in my mind I can get agitated or stressed or I'm trying to force something and a worry come up and a lot of thoughts and my heart is just calm and peaceful and relaxed yeah so that that for me is one way to discriminate it and I think there are more but I don't really have discovered all of those yet, but I think most of my decisions still come from my mind. But when my heart speaks, it's, it's really, it's really easy to discriminate. And when I'm doubting, it's always my mind. And would you say like uh, making decisions from the heart only is a goal in life or isn't it? I think that is something that the mind would say (laughs) because maybe it doesn't really matter in that sense that even if you make decisions from your mind, you can learn a lot from those as well. Um, And for me, I would love to only make decisions based on my heart because I know that there are really good decisions and that they are, really nice for me as well but I also have learned a lot from the decisions that I made on my mind Mm. because they also showed me where I still had self-hate or Mm. you know where I still had limiting beliefs about myself so even though some choices that I made based on my mind um, were very painful I learned a lot from those as well and then we go back to one of the other truths like it's okay to make mistakes and therefore it's also okay to make mistakes based on your mind so I don't think it's a goal per se because that will get you very focused on I have to only make choices on my heart and in that sense you are in your mind and it's impossible to hear what your heart is trying to say Mm, yeah definitely definitely so the five truth would be life is more fun if you don't take yourself too seriously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 
tell us how don't how what are things in which you don't take yourself too seriously? Mm, well, I when I was a child, I had this belief that when you grow up, you have to stop playing. And now I realize I don't want to stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy playing. So, um, yeah, I just really like to have fun. First of all, because it gets me out of my mind into my body. And then I also can really feel. And when I experience joy and laughter, that's also moments where I feel truly alive. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, how I don't take myself too serious. Yeah, so, or if to re reframe it to say, what are ways in which you still play now? So I, I go to ecstatic dance a lot. I go there weekly um, in Amsterdam because I also help the organization a bit. So I'm there every Tuesday. And I noticed that the way in which I'm dancing right now has changed a lot mm. because I'm playing more. So the first times I would be like, okay, I have to do something that looks good. So people will think that I'm a good dancer. Right. And now I can just also be on the ground and, walk around like a monkey or climb on the couches or anything or chase people and I have a lot more fun doing that and that makes me also a lot more relaxed than dancing and be like oh is this a move that looks nice is this too sexy because then I'm really in my head and when I play I I'm not in my head anymore so I really like dancing but I also just like it, it can be really small so sometimes when I'm walking I just see something and I want to climb on it and I do it for example or when I'm in a park and you have these fitness things I like to climb <laughs> on them and, and and just play and I have a small niece and I'm also really happy when she is there she's five years old because then I have an excuse to play <laughs> <laughs> with yeah. her because still there's there's this bit of judgment yeah. that um, sometimes I'm too old to play like right now I'm looking outside my window and there's this playground and I would actually love to go there if my niece was there but she isn't and I feel a bit hesitant to go there by myself well actually I would love to go um but I might go. I don't know. It Just looks go. really fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? And so I have a question about dancing. Because what you were saying about like being a little shy in the beginning, maybe, and to be a little, little self-conscious. Um, I've experienced that, too. And I noticed that the more I go to ecstatic dance or dance at home it becomes easier for me to just dance. But then there's also this other side in me that is judging this, but not in the mm -hmm. way of like, well, you can't dance this way or it looks weird or whatever, but more in the sense, there's a, a different voice that comes up and it's about uh, changing basically. So that 
and this is so so silly because it's it's and it's a theme for me that I've been working on um, for the past year now. And like it says that, well, people know you now as this person who doesn't dance or does just dances a little bit. That if you start mm-hmm. making big dance moves now, they will think you are being flirty with them or you are trying to get their attention because this is not true, not the you they know. While so do you see what I'm saying? And I find this, have you, do you experience this yourself or how do you go about that? I I really understand that. And it's really easy to tell ourselves a certain story. Like I am a person who does this. Yeah. And then you're basically telling yourself, I am this fixed person and I can never change. Well, of course that's not really true because we change all the time. And, um, but it's really easy to keep believe stories about yourself that are no longer true. Um, So for me, that's always an invitation to really go inside and ask myself like, okay, so is, but is this really who I am still? Am I still uh, this person that doesn't really dance or have I changed maybe? Mm -hmm. Because I always used to think that I was a very shy girl and that I really didn't talk that much. But I noticed that when I became more self-confident and, well, more loving towards myself, it was a lot easier to talk to other people. Yeah. But sometimes I'm still saying to people like, yeah, but I'm just really shy. And then they look at me and say like, are you shy? You don't look shy. Then I realize, oh, this is just an old story that I'm still telling myself. And those stories are really worth um investigating like is it really true and also do other people really care do they (laughs) expect you to stay the same because from my perspective I really like it when someone is shy at first and then suddenly there's this person that isn't shy anymore and is just expressing themselves fully I would be like whoa good for you you probably feel at ease here um so also uh, looking from another perspective can also be really helpful like would you really care if someone else did that to you or would you enjoy it because we can be so harsh for ourselves and then when we look when when another person would do that to us we'd be like oh yeah that's fine yeah 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 because i think that's like what you say it's 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 mainly like that I am sort of, even though it, it wouldn't be necessarily my own story. Like, for instance, I'm a shy girl who doesn't dance. But I'm afraid that once people know me that way, I can't break their story about me, which is bullshit because I'm my own person, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's like you say, do people really care? Yeah. And it's also then if it's their story about you, it's not your responsibility to change that story. Like you have no control of how other people see you. So if if they want to judge you, they will do so anyway, whatever you do. So then I just made a decision for myself. Like, okay, if people can judge me, 
but then I will just make my own decisions and not try to worry about that because it takes away my joy. Exactly. And like you say, it doesn't matter what you do. People will always have an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the, the opinion that matters most is, is your own opinion. Yeah, that or even <laughs> to not have too much of an opinion yourself about yourself. Yeah, also. That too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely going to keep that one in my mind. <laughs> and then we are here at the last truth. Um, and it is, you start over with loving yourself anytime. Or sorry, you can start over loving yourself anytime right now, for instance. Yeah. Um. I think because it's almost repetition of, of the other truth, because if you start loving yourself, there will be moments where you don't love yourself and you can either feel bad about that and give yourself more self-hate, or you can say, okay, you can make mistakes. It's fine. You can start over because like the, the failures are just, new invitations to start loving yourself it's the same way when you are meditating and a thought come up comes up that's just an invitation to and you get distracted it's just an invitation to say to yourself oh i'm getting distracted and you're just observing what is happening and the same way goes for self-love if you notice that you have unloving thoughts about yourself you can just see them and say okay Can I still love myself while I have these unloving thoughts about myself? And that is basically the practice because it's so easy to love yourself when you are happy and you are doing mm -hmm. everything that you want to do. But if you aren't, can you still love yourself? And if you can't, can you still love the fact that you cannot love yourself? <laughs> so coming back to self-love and accepting where you are right now is always the starting point. And that also means accepting where you don't love yourself. Yeah. To truly not be hard on yourself and to see, and to become aware of all that you're not loving yourself for and then being okay with that. Yeah. And I actually think that is the only way to reach more self-love in your life because the part, the parts where you don't love yourself, they are the entrance towards more self-love. And if you don't, if you are not able to truly love yourself, then start there, like start not loving yourself, loving that. Exactly. Yeah. So these are six truths that I am, I know for sure will have, I don't know, spark some curiosity or drop the truth bump with some of our listeners. But I'm also always curious, what have you changed your mind about recently? And this can be about like anything, about breakfast, self-love, yoga, the weather. What did you change your mind about recently? Oh, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Always learning. Yeah, I, I change my mind a lot. Um, well, maybe 
maybe I changed my mind about changing my mind because I I mm. used to think that um, it was better to believe something and then really believe in that and hold on to it for a really long time. Uh, I I used to be really black and white and I'm starting to appreciate the gray more that it's okay to not be in a state of always or never. So one example of that is that I used to be a really strict vegan and I actually started to notice that um, that in a way it was harming my mental health because mm -hmm. I was super strict on what I was eating um, from an ethical point of view. And I found it a bit difficult to talk about this because I still believe that from an ethical point of view, it's really good thing to uh, live a vegan lifestyle. But I just noticed that it wasn't really serving me anymore. So um, I let it go a bit. And that basically means that I'm still eating vegan six days a week. But then sometimes I just eat something that isn't and I don't feel bad about it. Mm. But I just try to listen to my body more. And I realized that sometimes my body just wants something that doesn't necessarily fit my um, morals. Mm -hmm. But another moral for me is love myself and listen to my body. So I actually made that more a priority. Yeah. And I, I still really believe in veganism and um, still eat it like 79% of the time. But I just cut myself some slack. I can totally relate to the story. I'm, I'm a vegan myself, um, but I've never been too strict in the sense that if you would get a cookie at a restaurant, um, I would eat it. I mean, even though it had butter in it or anything. Um, but then also, um, like as of recently, I've I've having so having had some iron deficiency issues, and I have started to eat um, some meat or some fish every once in a while. Not that often because, like what you say, listen to your body. And I noticed for my body, it's really meat isn't the all. What is it? The the all and everything either. Mm -hmm. So I eat like a piece of fish once every two weeks or so. But then I think that when you start listening to your body and see what it needs, it won't. And maybe it will for some people, but I think, I just think not. It will never ask you to eat meat seven days a week. Um, and this yeah, that's what that's I believe I hold currently. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just listening to your body is the truly, to, it's just the best way to eat. And it will tell you whether to eat meat or not and how often and why and when. And so that veganism, I, I just truly believe in veganism well as well. I started to eat vegan because of my health. Secondly, for the planet, and only thirdly, for the animals. Mm -hmm. um, but still, I think this is, well, and there's a lot of uh, science-based proof about this now, that it is more healthy and also better for our planet. But 
is veganism natural? I mean, is it truly that we have to eat 100% non, um, non-animal or um, plant-based? Is it that or is that indeed a moral that we put, put on ourselves as a rule to hate ourselves for if we don't do it? It's, it's interesting. It is, it's, it's a really interesting topic, like veganism and self-care. And for a long time, um, for me, the most loving thing I could do was be a vegan because it also yeah. really learned me a lot about stepping up for myself, speaking up for what I want, like not giving in when things got difficult, but just saying, okay, I refuse to eat this. Is there something else? I will get myself something else. But then that also changes and then it's really okay to say to yourself okay now it's time to move on and do something else and I don't know what the future holds Um, I've been a vegetarian since I was seven but there was also this period where I transitioned back to eating meat and at Mm -hmm. first that felt really good but after a few months I realized like okay no now it's not feeling good anymore so I'll just go back to being a vegetarian right I think in that way, listening to your body is the best thing you can do. And also keep listening because there might be an answer that works for you at the moment, but in a few years, the answer might change. Yeah. Or even in a few days. Even in a few days. Yes. (laughs) Even in a few bites, you could also realize like, okay, now I'm full. I don't want to eat this anymore. It's also fine. Yeah, and that is something that we still so much have to learn. Um, like, I can feel like eating ice cream right now, but if I eat three bites, I might not want ice cream anymore, and that's fine. And it even yeah. wouldn't mean that I eat the entire ice cream, even though I could. But th- that is something to find out for yourself. Do you really want to? Is this mm-hmm. still something I'm longing for right now? Or is yeah. it more loving to me to not eat it? That's the question. Definitely. Mm. And that's really interesting. And in in that perspective, everything you do, you can ask yourself, okay, is this the most loving thing I can do for myself? The same thing with like watching a show on Netflix. Maybe watching one episode is a lot of self-care, but watching 10 isn't. So it's also not really about what you do, but also like how long are you doing it? Yeah, just keep tr- keeping track of how you feel, I think. Yeah. So what question would you like to have the opportunity to answer more often? And I, and it's a question that I didn't ask you. At this moment? Right, yeah, right now, just in oh. life, a question that you don't get asked enough, but that you love to answer, really. It can be about anything. Oh, it's difficult. Um, I think there there is one question that I really like to ask myself, and it is very valuable for me. Um, is the question, it's a question you can ask to your heart, and it goes, dear heart, what are you unwilling to feel? Mm. Um, and I find that a very beautiful question because I think there is always a lot of stuff that 
we want to feel and we want to focus on, but there's also a lot of emotion and thoughts and feelings that we do not want to feel and that also deserve our attention. Um, and for myself lately, I noticed that there was a lot of stress in my body that I was really unwilling to feel that. And I took uh, last weekend to really feel all of that. And it's really a big relief always when I take the time to listen to all the things that I didn't want to listen to. So that is a question that I that I like to ask myself more often. And I think it's also really valuable to ask it to other people, but also to ask it to yourself. Dear heart, what are you unwilling to feel? Beautiful. And I think this would be so insightful. And I know that I am going to ask myself this question tonight in my journaling <laughs> practice. So if listeners want to find out more about you, um, they can give you a follow on Instagram, which is selflove underscore academy. And I have to say that I love following you there because I am impressed by how you manage to share your lessons and things that you experience and insights that you get during the day to express them in such neat, bite-sized, understandable pieces. So let me ask you, how do you do that? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, it's <laughs> something that I really enjoy. Mm. And I notice that sometimes there are days when I really don't feel like posting anything on social media, and then I don't, because right. then it just doesn't work. Um But I just always try to visualize myself or my younger self and then um, try to give myself what I need. So in a way, I'm just posting everything that I post on Instagram for myself and trying to make it as tangible as possible. Um, and I know that if I don't enjoy making what I create, the, the content that I create, then that also nobody will get inspired by it. So for me, that's always the first rule, like feeling a joy when I'm creating content mm. and then visualizing myself and giving her what she would love to read when she was 15 and didn't know anything about self-love or maybe a little older and having some experience already. And can this also be you last week? Also, yes, also. definitely. Yeah. And also for me, the writing and speaking about my own self-love journey is very healing right. and really helps me to um, understand also the processes that I'm going through. So when you ask me questions like, so how did you start self-love? That really makes me thinking like, so what actually is self-love? How do I do this? And what are my most valuable tips? And so I love it when other people get insights, but I think maybe the one who is getting the most insights is uh, me <laughs> by doing it. So it's also really <laughs> something that helps me. Mm, just to get your thoughts in order and your experiences. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, exactly. 
Again, I recommend following Desiree at selflove underscore academy. It's in Dutch, but um, yeah. Are you considering transitioning to English at some point? I don't know yet because mm. um, a, lo- a lot of the spiritual development I've done was in English. So right. English is something that I really associate with spirituality. But I also noticed that I really like to do it in Dutch. So we will see, maybe. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, give her a follow. And your website is the same, right? Self-love-academy? Yeah. .nl. And so do you, what, do, what are ways in which people can work with you? Um, so there are a few ways. I teach courses on Instagram. I haven't done those in a while, but I actually feel that I really want to do those again. I have two courses, one on self-love and one on self-care. And uh, I think I will teach those in the new year. So you mm-hmm. can follow those through Instagram. Uh, you can work on me 101. I do coaching online and offline. Um, but my newest project is something that I call the self-care walk, which is something that I'm super enthusiastic about. Um, and that is basically a workshop while walking. So there are exercises on the topic of letting go and surrender. But there's also room to just enjoy the nature, be silent, uh, relax and reload. And the first one is uh, November 30th. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I always really like is I, I follow a lot of workshops and training and I do a lot of courses, but most of them are inside. And I love spending time in nature as well. So I thought, what if I just combine those two yeah. and that is the self-care walk and yeah I think it's a super good idea and I'm really looking forward (laughs) to it (laughs) I love the idea so that is November 30th that is the first yeah and so that will be when this launches it will be in about 10 days and so you can people can sign sign up for that how um yeah there's a link in my Instagram bio and then you'll see the Facebook event there's some more information it's uh, in Amsterdam in the Flevo Park and we will start in the morning. It will be two hours and you can buy your tickets through uh, the Facebook link. So the easiest is to find me on Instagram and click the link in my bio and then you will see it. Okay, yeah, that sounds amazing. And lastly, I do have one more question left, which I which is an experiment for me that I am trying to end all the future episodes with. And that is, do you have a wish that you'd like to share with us? A wish about sharing your light, remembering your light, about what what keeps you going to do this work? What is your wish for the world? I think my biggest wish is uh, for all people that they would discover their own self-love because I truly believe that if you love yourself then automatically you will love others and you will love the world and um, I always wanted to change the world but I think the, the best place to start is really within yourself and start loving yourself and then you will change the world 
Beautiful. So discover your own self-love first. Start loving yourself. Love. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Desiree, for chatting with us. It was a pleasure to have you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and remembering your inner light. If you feel you are ready to start listening to your nocturnal dreams and to discover what messages they hold for you, the first thing is to remember them. But how? I feel ya, so I created a dream recall checklist for you that ensures that you will remember your dreams and can start listening to them. You download it for free at rememberthelight.com slash checklist. Rememberthelight.com slash checklist.